0: I'm J-Mac, and I'm Jess, and you're listening to Base Code Podcast. G'day, g'day. (laughs) G'day, g'day. So I see you're wearing your Laravel shirt, which I wore yesterday. Yeah. Did you watch the premiere in that shirt?
1: I did. I watched, I just finished watching it because it came out, I think like 3am, my time was when it, yeah yeah, premiered, so... I th- considered getting up for it, but I really like my sleep, and I had a big week with
0: floods and whatnot, so... Oh, yeah, you sent me that crazy, crazy pic.
1: Yeah, I had a little bit of water come up into my office. Not a huge amount, thankfully, but I think they're going to have to rip the carpets out, so it stinks in here.
0: <laughs> we didn't have flooding on your scale, but we had we have like more downpourish rains that last like 20 minutes. Really, really heavy rain. Yep. And... During those things, running down the side of the house kind of in a waterfall fashion. And so we get a little water in our basement. And to your point, we will probably also eventually have to get the carpet pulled up just because. Yeah. Carpet gets so nasty. I used to be a big fan of carpet. But as you're an adult, you kind of realize carpet's kind of gross. It's
1: just, yeah, it holds and catches everything. And then you just have it forever. It's like a rug you can't clean. If you got
0: animals or you wear shoes in the house or whatever, like. Yeah. I it's a lot of crap. Yep. And then just general dust that doesn't really come up that much with the vacuum. Like, not all of it.
1: Yeah. And I reckon timber floors with rugs are the way to go.
0: Timber. (laughs) Timber floors. What do you call it? Wood floors.
1: Wood floors. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever played Settlers of Catan?
1: Yes, I have.
0: That is my favorite game in the way in which it demonstrates the variance of, like, human vocabulary. So you just said timber floors. I said wood floors. It's like the hardest thing to do in Catan is to make a trade with someone
1: because you can't agree on what it's called.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Or or you're just or it's just confusing on like who wants what. You're yep. like, hey, I'll trade you, I'll trade you wood for sheep, but you might say timber for wool.
1: Yeah. Oh, I make up all sorts of names. Like I normally call the wood sticks because, like in the little picture, they're like little like logs. So I'll just call them exactly. sticks. exactly. Yeah, bricks. Are,
0: some <laughs> people call it clay, and I'm like, come on, it's a brick. <laughs> you build with bricks yeah but bricks are clay it's like shut up
1: yeah i've been playing this genre of music called bardcore Mm -hmm. while playing Catan, and it kind of suits it really well so it's like the ones i've been listening to are covers of like pop songs but done in like a medieval kind of style with i don't know lutes and things it's pretty funny funny it suits the vibe of of the game yeah
0: i'll have to kind of remember that next time we play anyway Anyway, so, back so yeah, the premiere, premiere it was, yeah, it was definitely cool to watch. It was cool to see you, um, on there.
1: Yeah, Laravel origins,
0: all the other peeps I know. Yep. But yeah, it was it was fun to kind of? I actually knew most of the story, I suppose. Maybe not the early stuff. I knew about the Userscape story, but yeah. I didn't necessarily know um about some of the other peeps before Jeffrey Way that were helping out.
1: Yeah, I didn't know um that like ian was like basically let taylor work on laravel for like six yeah. months at userscape like that's really really cool
0: i think i'd pick that up from another podcast taylor did it might have been the one on indie hackers i'll I'll link it in the show notes but nice. but yeah no it was it was definitely cool to see and i like that it wasn't like too long and and i like how they kind of branched it out in the into the community as well like towards the end of of just like yeah the layercation stuff and they're like you know inclusive and and all those kind of things yeah and like my favorite line, of course, I, I text, I text this to Taylor, but I was like, I was like, I love that you were like, I'm going to be playing the violin on the way down. Yeah. Like, that was cool. <laughs> just saying like, I'm just sticking with Bell till the end. Yeah. You know, that kind of transitions a little bit into shift. Um, Cause that's kind of the way I feel like I'm, I'm older. Like we, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, I, I turned, I turned 40, you know, I'm definitely getting a little more grumpy in my old age. You know, I just don't <laughs> normally I try to just be kind of neutral you know it depends like you mm-hmm. know hey if, if you want to do it that way that's cool like i've but as as i've gotten older it's just kind of like i don't really have time for the nandas yeah but now it's almost a little more grumpy like normally i just would have ignored them but now it's kind of just like get off my lawn. get off
1: your lawn yeah In some ways, i feel a little bit the opposite only that like when i was younger i used to be I don't know, I used to care a lot more about like yeah best practices and like, you know, coding patterns, like design patterns and solid and all those sorts of things. And as I got older, I just kind of, my values changed and I was like, it was more around just code that's easy to, like a pleasure to read and write and maintain, um, but not yeah. necessarily strictly following stuff. Like we've talked about that before.
0: I think there's kind of like three stages of, of programming and, and, and really life even. And, you know, it'd be cool to kind of do a little more research or a blog post on this. But like that early stage is like kind of what I would call like the proving stage. Like you're learning and you're you're really trying to like prove your value. So, yeah. so you're pushing on other people those practices and everything.
1: You've just discovered something and you're like, everyone needs to know this.
0: Yeah, you got to know. You got to know that I know, you know, <laughs> and you should be using it too. Like... That's kind of that first stage. And then I think the second stage is kind of like a little more enlightenment, a little more zen, like I'm comfortable with what I know, you should check these things out too. But you know, hey, I also have enough experience now that I know that it might not work in your scenario. Like there's a bit more empathy in in that stage. But then I think the third stage is kind of like, kind of like we were saying, like the violin on the way down, like you, you know, you're on your way out. You've been doing this for a very long time. You know what works. You know what you can get away with. And you kind of like, you lost a little bit of that patience that you had in the enlightened stage two, where you were kind of like, okay with people maybe doing it their other way. But now it's just kind of like, get out of my way. I've got a limited amount of time to get this done. I know how it can get done. I'm going to do it this way. And that rest of that crap doesn't matter to me.
1: Yeah. Time's an interesting point, actually, because that probably is one of the big drivers. Like, I feel like I just never have enough time to do anything anymore yeah and, like maybe that's as you get older and you have kids and all that sort of stuff
0: exactly you just like I think life just kind of takes over a bit more and, and that's ultimately what I was going to say a minute ago is kind of turning 40 like shift is definitely kind of my titanic if you will like when shift craps out for whatever reason or Laravel you know goes goes down and shift's obviously going down with it so like <laughs> you know, that's kind of the point is like, it, it'll, it will be the last, you know, big endeavor for me, I think.
1: Yeah. Unless I can drag you into something else.
0: <laughs> I think I'll always <laughs> use technology. I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I mean, even if even if I get into woodworking hardcore, I'm sure I'll build some kind of like, simple scheduling system, you know what I mean? Like in yeah. code to track my projects, like, of course, I'm always going to write code, I think. But I just don't know if it would be like, Again, so much in public, so much where there's like kind of like a consumer. It might just yeah start being more for myself.
1: Yeah, no, I I can see that.
0: I don't know. You never know what the future holds, but currently comfortable with the idea that I would just I would just go down with the ship of Laravel.
1: Yeah. Well, I still think yeah Laravel's got a lot of years left in it. Um,
0: oh yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, like I'm still so excited about it. I still like, when I use it, I still get excited, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think I probably said it in the documentary, but I've never had anything that's that's held my attention that long, so.
0: I mean, as someone who's used PHP for a long time, I mean, I've seen a lot of frameworks come and go, and maybe short of, like, Symphony, you know, Laravel is definitely, seems to be one of the longest. Yeah. I've kind of said before, like, I feel like Laravel's kind of, kind of peeking out, but at the same time, like, it, it could stay at that apex for a very long time like it could plateau up there way high yeah. you know for a long time like it doesn't have to like be such a sharp point and then dramatically fall off
1: yeah it obviously gets really hard to add like new big features that are like you know game changing yeah. features um it's definitely matured and all of those things but i don't know we'll see like as long as people are still building web apps in that sort of a way i think Laravel will always be trying to stay modern and adopt you know whatever whatever things are kind of coming down the pipeline
0: i mean even Laravel nine you know they did kind of tout it like a maintenance release but there's still a lot in there just because even though with these with these year-long release cycles there's kind of like supposedly less maintenance upgrades so to speak like there's a lot of features being released in between that year and for Laravel 8 like it was it was 17 months it was a year and a half because of the the pushed release cycle so like there's a lot of stuff in 9 I mean I've I've been pretty happy with how much was in there I mean we talked about how it's kind of like the most tested but I've been doing a lot of human shifts these last few weeks so I'm running it myself on other projects that are unknown so to see it do more of the automation is like yeah oh that's cool or even to take the chance and say, "Oh, it could have done the, the more." That's why I like doing the human shifts as well, is because I get to dog fooded on apps that I I don't even know, and and so I'm it's catching more things that maybe I wasn't aware of.
1: Especially some of the things like the optional upgrades, like yeah, um, that a lot of people may not do when they're upgrading by hand.
0: Yeah, they're optional now, but in ten they might be required. Well, that's yeah, that's
1: the thing, and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of us trying to like write that stuff in at the time is then when it actually does become mandatory that problem's already been solved.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've I've been I've been pretty happy with that. And I definitely have seen an influx in in usage too. And and that's hard to say is it just kind of the standard seasonal release cycle bump or, you know, again, are more people adopting Laravel? Are more people aware of shift? Like there's just a lot of things. Do that you have, are have like there.
1: do you have stats on I guess like how many brand new customers you get that have never shifted before? Like
0: that's normally the metric I look at is, you know, how many new users came in this yeah. cycle because like shifts retention rates crazy. Like it's it's 90 percentile kind of thing.
1: Oh, once you shift, you can't go back.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really kind of can't. I mean, it, it, it really seems to be true, you know, statistically speaking. But but yeah, that that is the measurement I use. Anytime I run ads or anything like that, which is pretty rare, but anytime I do, like, that's what I measure. I don't necessarily measure shifts themselves. Yeah. I measure how many new users came in
1: and if like if shifts got a high retention rate that also means that laravel itself must have a high retention rate sure as well like
0: yeah and going back to those human shifts a minute ago like if someone's saying hey i'm gonna take this old laravel 4.2 application and bring it up to nine instead of choosing rails or whatever else then then that does prove as well like yeah they've stuck with it you know this long you know eight years or whatever and they're still wanting to stick with it like that's a good sign too it's,
1: it's interesting that like they if like they stuck with it but they also didn't upgrade it at any point during that time so i wonder whether it's like was built was humming along fine mm-hmm. and then the original developers are gone and now they want to do some changes and they've got new people on
0: most of the time the push for that is it's it's kind of weird but it's it's where our, their server provider is like is finally saying, No, we're running PHP eight. Yeah. Yeah. They can't hobble <laughs> it along anymore. It's true. I mean it's it's kind of a sad thing, but the unfortunate truth is just for how ubiquitous PHP is, mm. there are still tons of servers and hosting companies out there that are very far behind.
1: Yeah. There's probably still some five six ones out there, maybe even earlier. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm literally working on one of those now. So Jeez. anyway. One last thing I'll say about the Laravel 9 Shift as it relates to, you know, adoption and retention and, and new users is I was really, really glad to to kind of finally see Shift in the docs. That's something that really also kind of made me feel like Shift has made it and, and achieved some recognition that, that I'd, you know, I'd, I'd kind of been missing the last several years.
1: I didn't know Shift was in the docs. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, Laravel 9, there's a little in that little message blurb that's like, you know, we try to list everything that would break your app, you know, but if you want to save some time, check out Laravel Shift.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So it's cool. Cool. I'd kind of been talking to Taylor about it. I didn't want to be pushy, but you know, there's so many things in the docs over the years now. There's things that are even in the core framework that, that are commercial projects. Yeah. So, you know, it just seemed like Shift was getting left out <laughs> and I, I want to feel like it's a value add to the community so to have it in the docs definitely yeah again gave gave that little that little pat on the shoulder of like good stuff
1: nice well deserved
0: I guess going back and kind of finishing out the this mini series on testing you know I know lately anytime I've come across some old things or a bug in an old piece of code i've first rewritten the test you know hopefully it did exist if it didn't exist then i write a new one but if it did exist i i quickly rewrite it into the new testing layer so my life is like so much easier
1: oh yeah i have i have an interesting anecdote about that actually so you mentioned recently that you know the when we generate the tailwind configs like the prettier the the prettier that we run on the config sometimes collapses the objects onto single lines oh yeah and In, like, the Tailwind configs, like, it's normally never done that way, like, in any of the examples. And it's a bit inconsistent when it's, like, sometimes does it short, sometimes does it long. Yeah. And so you found out that with Prettier, if you have a new line after the opening brace, it will always make the thing multi-line, even if it was short enough to go on a single line. Yeah. And this kind of, like, this was, like, a small task to fix that, right? Like, just write a thing that automatically adds that in before we run Prettier. But doing that broke so many all the, tests. All the fixtures yeah, yeah because all the fixtures were built around like before prettier had run
0: yeah just for a little backstory there like again because we were writing uh these expectations we were mocking this entire layer of shift we would actually sometimes have our fixtures kind of be mocked in an incomplete state so in this case of tailwind or even some of the php code it would be pre-formatted we hadn't run it through prettier plus we were mocking prettier so we never really got like the prettified version of the code so sometimes we were comparing fixtures that are like these one line nasty you know json mixed quoted kind of fixtures yeah (laughs) because we mocked the call to prettier that was like run prettier and so now, because of this, you know, integration style, it actually is running prettier because yeah. it lives in our little Docker container and we can actually run it. So now we can compare like a much more readable, like actually prettified Tailwind file.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It, it actually looks like what the end user will see.
0: Yeah. The bug was prettier. Actually, oddly enough, does not separate objects onto multi lines. It won't put all the properties. It, it just... It kind of attempts to honor whatever format you had it in before. So what what Jess was saying and what we found in the docs was that if after uh, one of your object notations, you have a new line from the opening curly brace, then it assumes you want that object formatted on multiple lines. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to keep that single line. So in our code, when we're just dumping out objects all just like into this fixture, it was always one line. So it never really gave you a good format, but for like all the color definitions in tailwind, that's obviously not what the user would probably want
1: yeah no it was it was just so much nice that I'd be able to actually see the the prettier result of the fixtures and again it made it so much easier to kind of like track down everything that's going on. I can see it in its final state so
0: and you even in in working on a lot of those tailwind things like you said because you had to touch so many files and so many fixtures you ended up adding a few more assertions didn't you or or maybe a new prop or yeah. a parameter to one of them or
1: yeah so we had like a you know assert info comment or assert warning comment and then we can pass in like a bit of a substring of what the what comments should have been left by shift and we had a assert no comments to say that the no comment should have been done but we didn't have a negative to say assert that this specific comment wasn't added. Um, mm. And so when I was rewriting one of the tests, there it was manually kind of doing that check. And so because I wanted to have like parity with these tests, I extended the assert no comments where you can actually pass in a string now and it'll make sure there's no comments that contain that particular string. That particular string. Nice. The other thing that was kind of interesting was we'd never like... We use a fair bit of data providers in our tests every now and then, like in PHP unit, mm. when you can provide like a bunch of kind of scenarios and it'll run the same test for multiple scenarios. But we hadn't actually used any of those with the new testing framework. Yeah. And so there was some like weird little bug where when it generates the snapshot directory, it's like using the the class, like the test case name and then the test like method name and MD5ing yeah. that. But because when you run one of these, it's like the same one running over and over it's again. It's the same method Yeah, there was like a naming different... collision. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to like- Yeah, that's a good one. Extract the, like, the method arguments that get passed to it and like serialize those before doing the MD5 so that it's like always gonna be unique, but also predictable. Hmm.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> I think we'll continue adding more and more of these kind of assertions, obviously, as you know, again, test is code too. It allow it to grow, allow it to evolve. Um, you know, you don't have to spend more time on it than your own application, of course, but you know, having that testing layer, you know, fresh again, lowers the friction and it it, honestly, it makes it writing fun. Like sometimes when you get a bug in your application, like that's not a fun thing, you know, it it kind of feels defeating maybe a little bit, or again, maybe it's just a hard kind of human interaction, but it's almost fun now for me to write that test. So it kind of, even if that interaction was slightly negative, like, going in and writing the test and seeing it pass like brings me right back
1: brings it right back yeah and look i have been tempted a few times to um, to make a shift that will convert from our old oh yeah um testing style to the new one so we can actually automate it (laughs) it's not
0: that hard to change them i I could see i could see what you're getting at like i could definitely see it going into each test case and Doing the fake project, adding adding the import of the trait, you know.
1: That's just where my brain goes now. Whenever I do something competitive, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe I could make like a shift for this and automate it.
0: <laughs> I really I really would love to have the workbench have some kind of builder block, like task builder kind of thing in it where you could you could just do common actions like okay i want I want all these imports to now be this import, or i want I want to add this import to all these types of files or or add this trait like I don't know i I really want that kind of task someday and and so I think that's something I'm noodling on, so maybe maybe we'll see it for next time.
1: yeah, kind of the stuff that like goes a little bit beyond what an IDE would do because it's that little bit more opinionated.
0: Yeah, it's a little more opinion. it's a little more Laravel, and and again, not everyone uses a, a super fancy ID that may even be able to do those types of things. So you know, there's a place for it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's in the back of my mind though, like you're saying, always kind of thinking of how you could automate something. So Yeah. cool stuff. Well, um, thanks everyone for listening. You know, we'll do another mini series later in the year, hopefully around an, an in person layer maybe. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh, I
1: hope so. I really do. <laughs>
0: so yeah, the clock's ticking on that, but we'll see. Uh but yeah uh i guess see you then
1: yeah see you next season hopefully show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide slash forty eight